This is episode two of Things Teachers Say. In this episode, I interview Megan Fowler, grade 10 social studies and English teacher, and we discuss the website, Which One Doesn't Belong? Welcome to Things Teachers Say. This is episode two. I'm your host, Amy Lee. My students came back this week and my homeroom is lovely and sweet and wonderful. And I'm so excited to get into the year and really start working on some good science and math. So we're designing an experiment that we're going to give a try on Monday. And the experiment is a pretty simple one. Finding out if sugar is going to dissolve faster in hot water or faster in cold water. The students are coming up with the experimental design. So I asked them, okay, well, what kind of materials are we going to need? And, you know, they came up with beaker and stir stick and probably a timer and some sugar. So I asked my students, well, how much sugar do you think we're going to need? And their definitive answer, the answer they are definitely going with is... 400 pounds, which (laughs) led to a really, really funny discussion about units and uh, how that might be a little bit much. (laughs) But we had a really good time talking about how much sugar we would like to pile up in the center of our classroom so that we could dissolve it in some hot and some cold water. Now, I'm super excited to get into this interview with Megan Fowler. Before we do that, I want to talk about another website that I'm using in my classroom that I'm really loving. It is called Which One Doesn't Belong. The website is wodb.ca, whichonedoesntbelong.ca. It's Canadian. Woot! The website is really simple. It presents you with an image of four different numbers. The one I'm looking at right now has a 9 in the top left corner, a 16 in the top right corner, a 43, and then a 25. What you do is present it to the students and you say, which one of these numbers doesn't belong? And the students might say, well, the nine doesn't belong because it's a single digit number. Very good. They might also say the nine doesn't belong because it is the only one that doesn't add up to seven. They might say that the 43 doesn't belong because it's not a perfect square. There's never a right answer. It really leads to some engaging discussion and asks the kids to think logically. And it asks the kids to use numbers in a way that they might not use them every day. One of my favorite ones to start with to kind of get them into using the website is a picture of four die. One of them has a numeral five showing. One of them has the dots, but it's a one. Another one is the same size as the first two, but it's blue, and it has the dots for a five showing. And then the last one is a really tiny one, and it's got the dots, but it's also five. That one's a really good one to start with because there's not a lot of calculating that needs to go on. So it's got sort of a easy jump into point and everyone can participate. I love doing this as a small discussion and then coming together as a whole class discussion. And I love using it to teach the students how to communicate and disagree with one another, but backing up what it is they're saying. Definitely check it out. It's a good one. With all of that said, let's jump into this interview with Megan Fowler. Megan, thank you so much for being a part of the first few episodes of Things Teachers Say. I hope that your interview inspires others to want to be interviewed, and I hope that others will want to share their ideas too. Could you introduce yourself? My name is Megan Fowler. I'm a high school teacher in um, Edmonton. 
yeah, I've been teaching English and social studies now for about uh, 12 years. I think this is my 12th year. So. Those are the hard subjects to me. I really like them. I'm quite a fan of, of doing this. Um, I don't think I can teach math and science. So I think English and social is a good, good fit for me. <laughs> Fair enough. So what got you into education? I've always really wanted to be a teacher. I've, I had a really good social studies teacher when I was in junior high. And uh, I just kind of found his way of doing things inspirational almost. And I, I guess it just kind of was something that took. And here we are. Sounds like a lot of people got into education because they were inspired by someone. I hope we're doing the same for the younger kids. <laughs> That's always my hope. <laughs> what keeps you in education? Honestly, I can't imagine doing anything else. Like I've been teaching, yeah, this is my 12th year. This is only the fourth job I've ever had. Like I've, I've had some little part-time jobs when I was in high school and university and stuff. And then I started teaching and I've just like, I cannot imagine spending my life doing anything else. It's an amazing job. I, I totally agree with you. There's, there's things about it that I, I really, really like. And it's just so unique and it's a different thing every day. Even though I see the same kids and I'm kind of doing the same stuff, it's different every day. And I kind of like that, that difference. Yeah, there's never a moment of boredom, hey? Never, no. <laughs> so we have kind of a tough question. It's one that we've been talking about in our classes. Uh, what do you think the reason for education in schools is? What is the purpose? Oh. I know, it's a tough one. <laughs> That's a good... So I think... I think there was a point in time where the reason for formal education was to prepare people for some kind of higher learning. Um, and I think we still have that model sort of in our heads. And I don't know that necessarily that model matches what the end goal should be anymore. Yeah. Because I, I think we look at a at that higher learning model as like a very sort of traditional kind of path, and like we just there's just so many things now that happen um, in schools and outside of schools that you can't really prepare for. Um, and so I think now the purpose of like education in schools, a lot of it has to do with sort of building community and building society, and you know teaching critical thinking skills and teaching. Um, to kids how to interact with each other and how to interact with, you know, people that they don't like and how to sort of be functioning human beings because the content can kind of take care of itself. Yeah, I very much agree. Are there any challenges that you're facing today in education? I think time is a challenge. And with that, I think class size, I think kind of the two things go hand in hand because um, obviously the bigger your classes, the less time you have to spend with the kids that you're working with um, and you want to do a good job and you want to sort of, you know, be the best teacher that you can be for all of the kids. But it comes to the point where at the end of the week and you've got 35 kids in your room four times a day, like it's tough sometimes for that last class on Friday for you to really be on all the time. And I think that's kind of tough. If you could take over, if you were the boss of all education across the whole world, is there, what would you do? I would get rid of standardized tests completely. 
Um, I don't see the value in them. I don't see the point anymore. I don't think they measure what we think they're measuring and they just produce these high anxiety situations where kids and teachers are just stressed out all the time because of it. Um, and so with that, I think that eliminates some of the, some of the lack of autonomy. I think the teachers feel sometimes because they don't have to teach to a particular metric. And I would probably take more of a model, again, not necessarily a discovery learning model, because I don't know that that always works for everybody, but I think that there's room for that, for kids to sort of explore things that they're interested in and learn about them and create things and teach other people about the things that they've learned um, and demonstrate learning in ways like that, rather than sitting down to write an essay or sitting down to write a test or sitting down uh, to finish a lab report. I think there are other ways to, to look at some of those things. And I think I would like to sort of bring back a, a notion of the teacher as an expert. Because I feel sometimes like that that idea is has been undermined of late, where teachers are sort of looked at as vehicles for political curriculum delivery and not necessarily experts in their field. Yeah, I so agree with you, especially in our climate right now, where we have political parties campaigning on different things and saying, oh, the teachers are delivering this political curriculum. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm trying to teach multiplication. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I mean, obviously, like, I teach social studies. And so there is a political element to that social studies curriculum. But I think it's naive to think that you can have even a history curriculum that doesn't deal in current issues and current events or whatever that doesn't have a political agenda attached to it. And I, I think that it's our responsibility to do our best to, you know, deliver the curriculum as, as it's written and open kids up to as many possible viewpoints and ways of thinking as possible and then let them make their own choice rather than us making the choice for them. I wonder if some of that comes from teacher training where, say, if we're in the elementary uh, training program, we're getting a very general idea of some subjects at almost a superficial level. And I think some of the high school training is a little bit more specific. I wonder if that... I think that might be part of it. But I also think that there's now... Because we, we now have this sort of unique... We're in this unique position where now you have all of the information you could ever want to have about anything in the palm of your hand at all times. Because of that, I think people are like, oh yeah, I read about that once. I know all about it. That was a great answer. Uh, if you had advice for a student teacher or your younger self, now that you're more into the game, what advice might you give to a newer teacher or yourself? Um, I would say that you need to check your ego at the door and listen to the advice and feedback and information coming from people who have more experience than you do. Um, I think there's... I think there's a lot of um, a lot of learning that can be done when you're a new teacher and when you're a student teacher, but I think it's it's hard sometimes to get out of your own way and absorb some of the information that's coming at you. So it's important to remember that you know if someone's telling you, "Hey, why don't you try this thing this way?" and here's why it works for me. There's a reason that they're telling you that, and maybe it's something to be listening to rather than saying. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and then just doing your own thing. 
Yeah, you can't see me nodding emphatically along with you, but yes, <laughs> so much truth there. Experience is everything. And I think the other thing with, you know, new teachers and, and student teachers and, and that kind of thing, I think sometimes there's a tendency to, like, well, I learned this in school and this is, I, I just got my degree and this is what they taught us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, and I'm sure you know too, that the reality of being in the classroom is very different from the reality of being in that curriculum class in university where the situations that they present to you, right, are like those ideal situations where you've only got 20 kids in your grade two class and you've only got, you know, 29 kids maybe in a high school class and here's how this will work and and everybody's going to want to learn this thing. But we know from a lot of experience that that's not true. Yeah, for sure. I always go back to that relationship building that I don't think they can teach you in university, but that is absolutely, to me, paramount in education. I'm going to move into some more fun questions. So what are you reading right now? Um, right now, I just finished a book called uh, The Woman in the Dunes by Sarah Main. Um, and it's about an archaeological dig. It's fiction, but an archaeological dig up in, um, in England, uh, somewhere, I can't remember what part of England. Um, and it's sort of about a, a local myth kind of come to life. Um, with this, with this archaeological dig, and I, I really enjoy stuff like that, like stories about like houses with secrets. Oh, that sounds like that. Up my alley. Um, and I just started a book uh, called "The Overstory" by Richard Powers. Um, and it's just it just won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 2018, and I picked it up, uh, and I thought it looked really good, and it's super interesting. Um, but I've got about a quarter of it left and I really, I need some time to just sit down and like power through it because I don't want to put it down and I haven't had enough time to really sit down and, and get at that last little bit, but it's fascinating. And like without giving any of it away, it's kind of about trees, but it's not about trees. I can't really explain it without telling you the whole story, but it's really, really good. Oh, that sounds awesome. I will definitely pick that one up too. I'm secretly just creating a book list for summer reading from everybody. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. What is the funniest thing a student has ever said to you? There's nothing that really stands out in my mind as, like, the single funniest thing. But there's just, I laugh a lot at school, and kids will say stuff. Like, this year, earlier this year, one of my grade 10 girls, really nice girl, really bright, really funny. She made some comment about how on the weekend she had gone out to the gun range and had been shooting, and I had been gone shooting with her cousin. And I said to her, like, do your parents know? And she just looked at me, she's like, I'm offended. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't have any super standout things. Just like, uh, there's laughter all day long in my classroom, which is great. Is there anything in your classroom you cannot live without? Actually, yeah, I have just a lamp set up, up by my desk, because um, I don't like fluorescent lights all that much, mm. um, and and so it's just one of those Ikea lamps with, like, the, the stand-up lamp, and then it's got the little reading lamp attached to it, and I just have them both pointed up at the roof, and it's actually really nice, uh, like, when we're watching a movie or something like that, it's, like, our film study time, whatever we're doing, I can just shut off all the lights and just leave the little lamp on, so there's a little bit of light, but not so much that it gets distracting um but it also i find it really just kind of settles the mood rather than the big bright fluorescent lights um i'll leave the lights on at the very back and then i'll have that lamp on and i'll leave the front set like three panels of lights off 
and it just kind of sets a nice tone and it's usually pretty quiet and pretty mellow in my room and I think if I, I since I've put that lamp in I've noticed the difference in sort of how we how we kind of comport ourselves in the classroom it, it seems to be a little bit more mellow a little bit calmer yeah, I really like that. I do that too. We've got a big set of bay windows and we just use that for light. And if it's cloudy, it's cloudy. And if it's sunny, it's sunny. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I, I don't have any windows in my classroom at the school I'm at now, but the last school I was at, I had a whole wall of windows. And so I just, I never turned the lights on. I just had the lights off all the time. And, and I'd have panels up for if I needed to show something on the smart board, but they were, maybe a foot the top of the panels was maybe a foot down from the top of the window so there would always light be coming in it was wonderful what are you excited about right now in your classroom or what are you excited about i'm really excited about actually the upcoming school year getting to know some new kids and teaching some grade 10s i like i love teaching grade 10 and getting to know them when they're first starting out and trying to like shape them into good little high school students and I, I just I like that idea and I like the, the sort of flexibility that comes with teaching grade 10 because you can't really screw them up too much you can try new things and you have a new project idea and it might work or it might not it's not really a big deal whereas like when you're teaching you know English 30 there's a little bit more there's a little higher stakes involved and so you can't just all of a sudden reinvent the wheel um, and hope it doesn't crash and burn um, so I'm kind of excited about that what do you do during the school year to keep yourself from burning out? Um, so I sing in a choir. Uh, we rehearse once a week. Um, and then on Wednesday nights, uh, some friends of mine and I, we go, there's a, a pub downtown that hosts like a trivia night every Wednesday. And so we go to that pretty regularly. And it's a really nice like midweek break. Lots of us are teachers, but we don't, we talk about work and kind of complain about work and stuff, but it's a nice thing to look forward to on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week. And you make time for it because you want to see your friends who you don't work with anymore, you don't see very often. And so it's kind of a, a nice way to do that. And I have subscriptions to both the Symphony and to the Citadel Theater. So I go do stuff like that as well. Well, that's so good to hear. So many people forget to take care of themselves and then they just burn out and crash at the end of the year. Yeah, it's a challenge, I think, sometimes not to... like. To, it's a challenge, I think, to remember that you have to be on for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like, I make a point on Wednesdays of going to trivia, and I make a point of going to choir on Mondays. Like, sometimes things come up and I can't, and it, it, it is what it is, but, like, it's in my schedule, it's on my calendar as something that I'm going to be doing. Are there any thoughts you'd like to leave us with today? Not really, but I think this is a really cool opportunity to just kind of talk with, you know, and be like, hey, this is sort of what my what my thoughts about teaching are. It's kind of, it's nice to have, because, and with, you know, for an audience that isn't just people that I work with and friends of mine. Yeah, um, for so sure. It's, kinda, it's cool to have that, that opportunity for a bit of a dialogue and that sort of thing. Yeah, I thought it would be a neat way to reflect, but also to uh, steal ideas from other educators. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, absolutely. That's the way to do it. Megan, thank you so much for your time and thank you for this conversation. It's been awesome. Megan, once again, thank you so much for the interview and the conversation. It was really fun talking to you. I have links to the books that Megan mentioned in the show notes at the website teachwithamylee.wordpress.com. Once again, I promise that we are getting a new website with an easier name. But for now, that's what we've got. 
I would love to hear in the comments section what you took from this interview. For me, her advice to new teachers about seeking help from more experienced teachers was really spot on. I think that we are all here to do what's right for the students. You know, we need to share and we need to help each other. It is a hard job and we are here for each other and we have to help each other out because we are all we've got. I still cannot believe that my podcast is out there. If you loved it, share it. And if you are interested in being interviewed, I want to hear from you. Let me know at the very complicated website, teachwithamylee.wordpress.com. As we close out the show, I want to thank you so much for listening to Things Teachers Say with me, Amy Lee. Music for the show was provided by bensound.com. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll see you next time. 